to express yourself where teens talk and the world listens presented by star style productions as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity you'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters meet and chat with cool celebrities exhilarating experts and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know it's time to kick off the fun with our star teens welcome to express yourself Nature itself is the best physician, Hippocrates. Hello and welcome back to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. From Cynthia Bryan, producer of Express Yourself and Star Style Productions, we bring this program to the airwaves as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. I'm Sydney, and I'm one of your hosts for today's show. Be The Star You Are wants to thank everyone who has volunteered and supported BTSYA over the years. We are thrilled to be serving the world. If you'd like to help us celebrate being a top nonprofit with a donation, please visit www.btsya.org. Every dollar counts, and we will use the funds for our outreach programs. Make sure to listen to Express Yourself wherever you listen to radio or music. iTunes, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and more. We broadcast from the Empowerment Channel on Voice America Radio, the largest radio network in the world. Hi, I'm Dia, and today we have an important announcement. Saturday, September 25th, Be The Star You Are will participate in the first live event at the Pear and Wine Festival with a booth sponsored by the La Marinda Weekly, www.lamarindaweekly.com, and MB Jesse, painting www.mbjesse.com. Wear your mask and visit us. Many of our Express Yourself hosts and reporters will be on hand. We will be giving away free books and have free activities. We have an amazing show planned for today, all about ecology and healing with nature. In segment two, we'll be inviting Dr. Rochelle Calvert, author of Healing with Nature, Mindfulness and Somatic Practices to Heal from Trauma. In segment three, Sydney and I will be talking about the environment and racism. And right now we have Arjun with Innovation Nation. Thank you. Hi everyone, my name is Arjun Clare and I'm really happy to be coming to you again with another edition of Innovation Nation. Today's theme is ecology and healing with nature. And innovation has had a bigger impact on these than you might expect. Healing with nature is the idea that the human body has an inherent ability to heal itself over time. Essentially, it's healing without using what we view today as true medicines or remedies. 
To trace how healing with nature has been innovated upon, we have to go back pretty far. For as long as humans have been alive, we've been healing with nature. So maybe the best way to quantify it is to see when medicine was first created and experienced widespread use. This quote-unquote modern medicine, as we call it, actually came about during the Industrial Revolution all the way back in the 18th century, which was about 200 years ago. Now, this seems like a long time ago, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not very long at all. I mean, it's estimated that the first humans came about between 5 and 7 million years ago. So 200 years is barely the blink of an eye. However, what this does mean is that before the 18th century, for between 5 to 7 million years, humans have been healing with nature. This includes the first humans, the Greek, the Roman, the Egyptian, the Mongolian, and the Persian empires, and any other big empire you can think of. All of these empires use different herbs and plants as remedies for different ailments, although this isn't all they used. For example, the Greek empire used to perform some modern kind of stuff. They used to perform surgeries, amputations, or even men broken bones. However, they always used herbs or plants to relieve the pain because they didn't have any manufactured anesthetics, only natural ones. However, this process of natural healing has changed over the years with more modern technology. Scientists now have a much better understanding of how certain plants and herbs work and which ones are the best for certain types of natural healing. Things like acupuncture, aromatherapy, massage therapy, or any others that you can think of have been around for a couple thousand years. Acupuncture, for example, was actually first used in China around 3,000 years ago to treat pain and alleviate stress. But nowadays, it's been refined and perfected by the superior knowledge that we have to be used more effectively. But we can't forget our other topic for today, ecology. Ecology is a branch of biology that specifically deals with the relationships of organisms between one another and their physical surroundings. As with natural healing, a big change in the field of ecology has been our understanding. Modern technology and scientists are able to further the field of ecology today because of a better understanding than humans millions of years ago. And that's the thing. For as long as humans have been around, ecology, although it probably wasn't named ecology all the way back then, has always been interesting. Humans have always been trying to figure out why certain animals interact in certain ways, or why some plants thrive better in different climates or different types of soil. And these are the kinds of questions that modern tech allows us to answer. Nowadays, scientists are figuring out all of the different interactions and the reasons for them. However, this increased understanding that we have of ecology nowadays has led to some innovations in the field. One of the biggest has been GMOs, or genetically modified organisms. Because scientists better understand how plants interact with the things around them, whether it's nature or other living organisms, they've been able to use modern technology to genetically modify and improve them. For example, scientists created rice that can help improve eyesight, which is mainly used in third world countries where glasses are in short supply. They've made fruits that can last longer when exposed to air by slowing down reactions, or given plants resistance to certain diseases so less crop is lost during the growing and harvest seasons. Another innovation has been with new sensors and drones that allow farmers and scientists to gather both much more data and much more accurate data. 
This allows them to understand how plants and crops interact with their surroundings, climates, or soil types, so they can learn to grow them more efficiently. And that's exactly what ecology is. And while ecology has changed a lot over the years, and there have been many innovations, it's important to note that the field is still relatively young, and there's still a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of potential for new innovations. So there you have it. Those are just some of the many innovations in the field of ecology and natural healing. Both have roots set back millions of years ago and have innovated and changed as technology and knowledge has progressed throughout the ages. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something new. Thank you so much, Arjun. I loved your conversation today. Unfortunately, we are out of time for this segment. Please show your love for more segments by donating on btsya.org. Keep listening for more as we interview Dr. Rochelle Calvert. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens express yourself is produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show visit expressyourselfteenradio.com now back to our star teens hello and welcome back to express yourself In this segment, we'll be interviewing Dr. Rochelle Calvert. Rochelle Calvert, author of Healing with Nature, is the founder and clinical director of New Mindful Life, which offers mindfulness, nature-based, and somatic experiencing therapies. She teaches individual meditations with nature that assist in healing from trauma. She supports her clients and takes them into nature with the aid of Bertha Grace, a sprinter van that serves as a mobile therapy office. Rochelle lives in San Diego, California, and enjoys spending her free time in nature, hiking, practicing yoga, exploring the land's indigenous heritage, and resting with trees. So to start off our conversation, Dr. Calvert, how does nature help us heal from trauma? Well, thank you for having me. And Sydney. Um, so I think a very simple way that nature offers herself to healing trauma is that she invites us to relax, to be able to be a little softer or more at ease. And when we're making a decision to turn towards our trauma, to be able to heal it, the container of nature herself just provides that itself a container. And so when we're in nature, we have more 
um, ease, hopefully, and support, hopefully, to be able to do that inner work to heal trauma. Yeah, I think um, Dr. Calvert that that's a very beautiful way of describing it, that nature makes us softer because it, as you said, it gives us the support and ease that is really important to heal trauma. So I was wondering a bit about what are mindfulness and nature practices? Yeah, well, you know, I think mindfulness is something that's a bit um, automatic, so to speak, when we step outside. You know, most of us, when we see something beautiful outside, we are willing to put our phone down unless we're willing to, like, want to take a picture of it. But at least we're first looking at it and we're present to it. So being mindful in nature, nature herself is kind of asking us to just be mindful and we go with it. It doesn't really have to feel super effortful. And I think a lot of times if we've tried mindful meditations, it ends up being a bit like trying, like to really focus on our breath or we have to really focus on whatever the point of the particular meditation is. And when we're practicing mindful meditation in nature, it can be as simple as just what we're drawn to, what we feel like seeing or listening to or feeling the presence of wind or the softness of the earth or whatever it is that we kind of are organically or naturally pulled towards. And so mindfulness becomes just being with nature. And really, mindfulness itself is the practice of being with what is. And so if we're learning how to help our minds and our bodies and our hearts have a different um, way that we can relate to them, nature just is a soft and easy place that supports us to develop that skill. And then therefore, you know, as I was saying before with trauma, when we're really going to turn to those more difficult, sticky places within us that need that healing, we just have this huge ally and support from just letting ourselves be more in that direct support with nature. Yeah, mindful meditating sounds amazing. So would you mind explaining more about what somatic healing is? Yeah. Um, So... In mindfulness meditation, um, one of the first foundations of that is to practice an awareness of the breath, but it's also to be present to the body. And so somatic healing is kind of taking those practices of mindful body awareness and really deepening them. Somatic, soma being the body, is what we're learning how to develop a very present, steadied, allied relationship to with our bodies and there are various practices that we can learn within and with the support of nature to somatically heal so one of the theories in um, somatic experiencing which is where these practices are are being drawn from which was developed about 30 years ago by peter levine a very well-known psychologist and um, studier of trauma Um, but that the theory that he put forward at that time was that the trauma itself that we go through and trauma being something that's a very challenging, distressing event that we went through that we didn't really have the resources to bear on that moment with to allow us to return to a healthier sense of ourselves after the event occurred. If we 
went through something like that, that what happens is that that trauma, the response we really needed to engage in at the time of the trauma or the support we really need wasn't there, the body will hold on to that. The body will store that sense of not having had what it needed inside of it. And it's kind of as though the trauma gets stuck in the body. And so somatic healing through the various practices we're exploring is learning how to move towards what's stuck in the body and through various means of practices with nature and mindfulness, be able to allow that to shift and release from the body. A lot of times people with trauma will say, I just wish it, you know, I wouldn't do these same patterns and these same habits. And they really just evolved because we didn't know another way to take care of ourselves or our bodies. So we've just gone on to keep applying it, thinking that it will get better. But these practices give us a chance to learn how to unwire that old coping and find new ways that the body can heal and restore itself and actually release that trauma that may have been stuck. Wow, that's really cool learning about how, like, really what somatic healing is and how it helps us develop a better relationship with our body because mm. um, it kind of, it makes sense how, like, if someone goes through trauma, the support wasn't there, the trauma feeling will get stuck in someone. And I think that somatic healing is a really useful tool that um, that actually can help fix this for a lot of people. So besides breathing... As a source of somatic healing, what is another practice that we could do in nature? Yeah, so one of the seminal practices in that is to allow ourselves to learn how to experience in our bodies what feels grounding, or another way to describe what grounding might feel like is a sense of steadiness or stability, safety, something of that nature that we're able to feel inside our bodies. So a simple thing you can just ask yourself is, you know, kind of sweep your attention through your body. You can start at the top of your head and then slowly go through all the way to your feet and just ask yourself, where in the my body right now feels steady? What feels solid? What feels rooted or heavy? And for me, if I do that right now, what comes to mind is my sits bones, right? I'm sitting on my cushion and I'm outside in my canyon and I can feel those sits bones connected to the cushion and feeling here in the canyon. And all of a sudden that sense of grounded, rooted solidness is available in my body. And when I can focus on that, it begins to provide support to the rest of my body and the rest of whatever else is going on that begins to lay a foundation for that ability to work with the trauma or things that might feel sticky. So that's just a useful practice to to take with you no matter what you're doing or going through throughout your day. Just where in my body am I feeling steadied or grounded right now? And if you can't find it in your body, you can ask yourself, well, what is here in the environment with me right now that feels grounding and supportive? And as I just mentioned, I really enjoy spending time in canyons in general because I like the way that the earth feels like it's all around me and so that's a nice grounded rooted feeling that I can tap into with something that's around me in nature that can offer me that feeling too yeah these these practices sound incredibly informative and helpful and it seems like nature plays a very large role in this healing process mm-hmm. so how do you define trauma and what are the types of trauma that these healing practices best support Yeah. So, you know, I really encourage people to consider for themselves what 
what defines for them what that word trauma means. We, in the psychological world, a lot of times you'll hear psychologists talk about the big T or the little T. And the big T is um, the things that we classically think about, like somebody's been to war or they've been in a very serious natural disaster or um, a serious physical or sexual assault um, situation. That's called like a big T. And then there's what's referred to as a little T, which could be feelings or experiences of um, being bullied or being, um, you know, emotionally abused in some way or feeling the strain of a loss if we go through the loss of a loved one. But it can also be things like maybe we're upset about the climate, maybe we're upset about all the things that have been happening with the pandemic. And the reason I invite people to consider that we don't need a big or a little t definition. It just needs to be that if it was a difficult experience for you that you went through and you had trouble getting through it and you didn't have enough resources at that time or support to feel like you really were able to restore yourself to the equilibrium you were at before the event happened, then it's probably likely that something of that event or experience was traumatic for you and is potentially stuck in the body and needs your attention, needs your healing. So, you know, we can, you know, I think it's it's healthier to just let ourselves choose what feels like it needs our attention because probably it does. <laughs> and so from that point of view, then, you know, we can really honor whatever the healing is that someone needs that they might define as trauma. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because um, because it really makes sense how nature and somatic healing and all these healing practices are a great way of fixing someone's past unhealed trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think that's more of the emotional side. So I was wondering, can we use nature's somatic healing for kind of more physical problems such as anxiety or like physically painful areas in our body? Yeah, absolutely. I think anxiety is is well supported by nature. We actually know there's a lot of research that says we just spend some time outside. The chemicals in our body that are responsible for helping us feel more anxious, they settle down. We get better chemicals going in our body. So if we choose to come outside when we're feeling anxious and we let the breeze like of the air blow over the body and feel that for just a few moments, it's probably going to you know, add some soothing sense to that anxiety. Or maybe we, you know, are feeling like we're overwhelmed by whatever's going on. If you walk outside and you just take a few minutes to let your eyes like rest on something that's green or soft or a beautiful color from a flower, the body will naturally start to let go of that anxiety. And then physically we start to feel better, right? Taking a few deep breaths outside, this might sound kind of cheesy, but holding hands with a plant or hugging a tree, <laughs> I promise they'll hug and hold your hand back. We can feel like we're not alone and we feel way more supported and connected. And if our bodies are feeling physically you know, overwhelmed, nature, her job by giving us oxygen is to help us feel better, right? So we just spend, there's some research that suggests five to 10 minutes is really all we need just for a little bit of relief, if we really want well-being to be established, if we can be outside with nature for 30 minutes to 45 minutes, it's significantly improved. So, 
Yes, all of all of the time spent with these practices in nature has the possibility for reducing anxiety and physically helping us to feel better. Yeah, so in your book, Healing with Nature, you talk about building your relationship ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what our ecosystem is? <laughs> yeah, that might be a question I'm going to have to synthesize well, <laughs> um, but it's a great question. Um, so, you know, just like nature, we have nature has ecosystems that it thrives in, right? It needs all its components, the critters, the insects, the water, the things that decay. There's lots of different variables that go into making a healthy ecosystem. We learn that in science class. And when we're talking about it for ourselves, as we're coming through these practices and healing trauma, a lot of times our ecosystems when we have unhealed trauma aren't super healthy ecosystems. They're not really helping us to sustain and, and really thrive in our lives. And so what I point to in that in that section or chapter of the book is as we're discovering that we feel healthier and we feel more healed and this trauma is transforming from our bodies and we feel better, it's really time to look at how do we make sure our, health, our ecosystems are healthy to support our continuing to thrive? So sometimes this means there may be relationships in our life that aren't super healthy that we need to now choose to not be a part of so that we can be nourished and healthy by other relationships that can come into our ecosystem to help us. And sometimes that means also finding a new community, finding new people that can come in and really help nurture that ecosystem and deciding for yourself what, who and what and where are you in your life and doing the things that you love that make your ecosystem thrive, right? But again, if we're struggling with these unhealed wounds of our trauma, it's hard to establish these things. And sometimes we by no fault of our own, it's really just protection mechanisms. We're establishing these unhealthy ecosystems that just don't help us to thrive. So that's that's what I'm pointing to, is to hopefully identify that as we're healing to support bringing more of a healthy ecosystem into our life. Yeah, I think describing um, like your relationships and the people surrounding you as your ecosystem is a really, really good metaphor because it really shows like how when you're in a good ecosystem, like when you're surrounded by really positive and like people who are good for you, especially like the point of your life that you're in, Mm -hmm. it makes the person itself thrive. Like how in an ecosystem, a healthy ecosystem makes a plant thrive. So I think that's a really good metaphor that helps describe it. So I think that, um, like that it makes a lot of sense that like if you prioritize yourself in your ecosystem, like not just the needs of other people, but also the needs of yourself, it can help to become like a healthier person. Yeah. 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 And to remember ecosystems work well together, right? So we all have to do our part when we have a good, healthy ecosystem. Everybody's doing their own individual work for the ecosystem, but they're helping one another in that ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the next thing I was wondering is how do nature, mindfulness and somatic healing help support resolving trauma? Hmm. Well, I think the big hope is that 
actually, given we were just talking about ecosystems and how to create that in in our own lives, I actually see that mindfulness, somatic healing, and nature are all respective ecosystems in and of themselves. Ways that when we are in relationship to them and we have access to understanding how they help us, they all kind of come together to bear on hopefully these places that need our attention and our healing, this trauma that we maybe need to to attend to. And so as we learn more about each one, and that's the point of the book, is to really help you explore the various practices with somatics and mindfulness with nature to, over the course of the book, deep in all these different ways that we can experience our body, our minds, our hearts, our traumas, and how nature is here for us at every step of that way. And as we begin to feel the healing benefit of all those coming together to heal our inner ecosystems, we transform that trauma. And what I what I propose in the book and towards the end of the book is chances to feel more space for joy, for more curiosity in your life, for more sense of openness or peace or less stress and anxiety in the mind. And so all of these are practices and ecosystems are coming together so that trauma has a chance to dissolve and release itself from the body so that so that we can access those states and really not be held or stuck back by the trauma that that went unhealed. Yeah, so I think that's so informational and helpful. I mean, clearly the advantages of nature are endless. Um, But what about healing the trauma that the earth is experiencing? (laughs) Can I say thank you for asking me that question? (laughs) Um, So, yes, I'm highly hopeful that a bigger intention not only to help people heal from their trauma and give them a skillful means to do so and to have practices that are in their back pocket literally and figuratively that they can do to take care of themselves but because they're choosing to heal with nature themselves through these practices that what happens at some point along the way is this like an inner light of desire that says oh right I might want to help the earth too Right. She's under a tremendous amount of trauma. She's experiencing assault and not having enough resources to bear on helping reestablish equilibrium and health to her beingness. And so if we're touched by, let's just say, for example, I have a strong affinity for, for trees. I've spent a lot of time resting and practicing and using these things I teach in the book with trees. And And I have a strong desire to make sure they're protected. And it's a very natural place because of that reciprocity of the healing that they've offered to me that I want to give back to them. And so the latter part of the book is really inviting us into the exploration of, so what what was helpful? What was healing to you from nature as she offered it to you? And what might that inspire you to want to give back? It can be as simple as, you know, the flowers were my friends. I found great comfort and feel like I was able to feel supported for the first time in a very different way in my life. Maybe you make sure you plant a flower garden. That's going to help repair and heal our planet. It doesn't need that we, maybe we go on to save all the flowers. I don't know, but but that it, it will be whatever 
your sense of desire and connection because of that healing is that hopefully creates that desire to want to get back in some way. Yeah, I think it's very important, um, as you said, to help the earth, especially with everything it's enduring, like global warming and climate change and species endangerment. I think that um, especially because, as you said, the reciprocity, reciprocity, um, especially because the earth gives so much to us, the least we can do is try and help it a bit. Yeah. So I think that's a good point. So I was also wondering what is some of the research on how mindfulness, nature, and somatic healing improves health and supports healing trauma? Well, there's a lot of research, so I'll just highlight some of the ones that I find super interesting. Um, So we know that when you practice mindfulness, you can actually change the cortical structures of your brain. And particularly the parts of the brain that are not working as well as we would want them to when we have experienced trauma. So it actually starts to repair the physical size and function of your brain, which to me is like really cool because that means our body is literally repairing and restoring itself. And at at the brain level, that's definitely going to help us not have some of those patterns that we can kind of feel stuck by by the way that our mind wants to engage in those unhealthy patterns. If the brain structures change and the brain is functioning better, it's like having a broken arm and splinting it. It's all of a sudden it's better now. It's going to work properly for you. You're not going to have those challenges. So that's one piece of, of research that I find really promising. And then, you know, the other piece of research that I also find really exciting even though it's newer, you know, the the more we study nature, it's kind of like the research is coming out as, well, duh, that seems like an obvious finding. <laughs> but, you know, when we hear birdsong, when we hear water, when we um, breathe soil, like the nutrients of the soil, we literally, again, I think I mentioned this earlier, like we start to change the chemicals in our body. The body starts producing the chem- chemicals that are healthy for us by being in direct relationships to these expressions of nature. Again, like, duh, like when we walk outside, doesn't it feel nice to hear the bird song? <laughs> when we see a body of water, we're drawn to it. You know, when we smell the earth after a wet rain, right? We enjoy those feelings. And so <clears throat> it's, it's obvious, but when you start to research and realize we're changing things at a chemical, cellular level, the body has the potential to express more well-being for us. And so all of this, you know, again, it points to me the fascination with we can change the body. We are changing the body with these practices. And when we do that, that has sustainability in it. That's not your wiring is changing. It's not going to go back to the way it was. It's now operating in a different form. So building on what you've explained about human healing and its connection to earth healing, how do you hope this book will help others and the earth? Hmm. Well, I am a firm believer, and there's some of us in the clinical community with trauma that will often refer that trauma begets more trauma. So unhealed trauma will beget more trauma that is unhealed. And 
I really believe in hope with this book that healing will beget more healing. If we're able to heal our trauma, we don't know the potential of that ripple effect and where and how it will travel out into healing other trauma. Whether that's with ourselves, with our families, with our relationships, with our friends, with communities, and as far out as we want to go to the planet, right, to, to help her, to give healing to her, which, you know, I believe she's asking of us. And so, but we need to be able to heal our inner landscapes to have enough connection and awareness to that to to hopefully help heal her back. So that's my that's my biggest hope is we can stop that cycle of trauma begetting more trauma both with ourselves and with the earth and let healing beget more healing. All right. Thank you so much for all the wisdom you've imparted to us today about trauma, healing and nature. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this segment. For more information about Dr. Rochelle Calvert and her book, Healing with Nature, visit newmindfullife.com. Please show your love for Express Yourself Teen Radio by by donating on btsya.org. Keep listening as I'll be talking more about ecology and nature in the next segment. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to express yourself on the voice america kids channel where teens talk and the world listens express yourself is produced by star style productions llc as an international outreach program of be the star you are charity for more information about our show visit express yourself now back to our star teens hello and welcome back to express yourself Today's show is all about ecology and healing with nature, and I'm so excited to have Sydney with us today, who will be talking about environmental racism. Thank you for the introduction, Dia. All right, so besides obvious benefits such as clean air, being immersed in nature offers many physiological advantages. Trees and plants emit compounds called phytoncides, which, when inhaled, can boost your immune system and help lower blood pressure, according to research. Additionally, they provide shade, which helps regulate temperatures and decrease the chances of heat-related deaths. There are also numerous mental health benefits, as we just talked about in the segment before, um, but one example is lowered stress levels. 
But beyond the human body, it's also been shown that parks and forests can help build social connections and foster youth education. So all in all, it's essential to have access to nature. However, recent studies have shown that across America, low-income communities and communities of color often have less greenery. In fact, according to data from the conservation organization American Forests, in the most extreme cases, wealthy areas have 65% more tree canopy than communities where 9 out of 10 people live below the poverty line. So this is a quote from a New York Times article, and it's very clear that this divide stems uh, from a practice which began in the 1930s, which is known as redlining. So the federal government would create color-coded maps with red lines drawn around neighborhoods that were deemed to be risky for real estate investment. Predominantly black and immigrant communities were redlined, no matter the income level of the neighborhoods. On the other hand, white neighborhoods were outlined in blue and green and often preferred for investment. Redlining intensified racial inequality in a lot of different ways, but one of the most prominent outcomes we see is that it negatively affected investments. People in redline neighborhoods were denied mortgages and housing loans, so it was often very difficult for them and their children to escape poverty. Redlining also had a significant impact on the physical landscape of neighborhoods. According to another New York Times article written by Brad Plumer, city planners also targeted redlined areas as cheap land for new industries, highways, warehouses, and public housing built with lots of heat-absorbing asphalt and little cooling vegetation. So increases in paved surfaces and decreases in tree cover leads to higher temperatures, which can actually be deadly. Eventually, redlining was outlawed with the 1968 Fair Housing Act and the 1977 Community Reinvestment Act. However, its effects are still felt today. Neighborhoods that were outlined in blue or green remain predominantly white, wealthy, and often have more trees and parks today. In contrast, neighborhoods that were redlined often have lower median income and home ownership levels, consist of primarily people of color, and are significantly less green. So what can we do to combat environmental racism? The first step is to educate yourself. I encourage everyone to look up environmental racism or environmental justice online to better understand its roots and how it impacts minority communities today. Also, it's super important to stay informed about local environmental issues and to hold your government representatives accountable. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today's show. As always, we express our gratitude to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment crew, especially our voice engineer, Josh. Thanks to our guests from across the world, and a huge thank you to you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. 
Heal with nature and be mindful of the environment. Always remember to speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself, produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars to shine.